Locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, phone, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times in Bloomington. And today we're going to be talking uh, with some folks from Cardinal Stage Company. Mary Catherine Carmichael's here with me, and we also have two guests from Cardinal Stage. Randy White, the artistic director, and Mike Price, who is an actor you've probably seen in many, uh, many different shows, and also the production manager. You can join us on the program by calling 855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. And our website is wfiu.org slash noon edition. You can go there to uh, discuss what we're discussing or just sort of give us a question to ask or whatever you want to do. So, Mike, Randy, welcome. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Thanks, thanks for thanks. having us. Sure. Thanks for being here. I, I was just uh, reminiscing a little with Randy. I remember, uh, I, well, he reminded me it was five years ago when I first met him here in this very studio when he was here with the uh, this idea for the Cardinal Stage Company. So It's amazing how fast five years goes <laughs> flying by. <laughs> it, it certainly is. But you've come, uh, I'd say you've come a long way since then. So I, I, I want to go back, though, to five years ago when you came to Bloomington. Talk about that, sort of that idea. Okay, we're going to be in Bloomington, Indiana. I think we'll start a professional stage company. Well, the idea started because uh, my wife, um, who had come out of Columbia University in New York and uh, had uh, gone on the market and gotten a job in at IU, and she had been out here for three years. She came out here in like 2002, 2003, and uh, I stayed in New York and was directing regionally around the country. And it was getting a little uh, difficult uh, seeing seeing my family about you know ten percent of the year, and so uh, we looked around, and, and uh, I'd been in and out of Bloomington, and, and uh, what I felt as I was here and seeing shows, and you know Mike was part of of that world before I came here, and there was Detour Theater and uh, Diane's uh, Diane Condrat's Theater uh, Interaction. And there were a number of other uh, companies in town, and, and I met uh, Diane and Martha Jacobs and Mike and all these folks who had uh, such a long and storied history here, and I felt like there really was an opportunity um, to do something that I was interested in because there was such a talent pool uh, and such a history of doing theater at, at a certain level, and also the university was here, and, and I had had a chance to direct once in the university. And, and my thought at that time was that what I wanted to do was to be able to bring some of the experience that I had, some of the contacts that I had, and some of the business experience I'd had running uh, uh, theater companies uh, uh, on a model of like IRT or Actors Theater of Louisville as a kind of regional theater, which had a different business model than what had been here before. So I think what I was able to bring was um, some experience, but mostly a kind of business sense that was a little bit different, but was sort of building yeah, uh, on what had come before and standing on the shoulders of giants uh, who, had, who had been doing a, a great deal of really wonderful work here in Bloomington before I had come along. And Mike, you might know a little bit more about that, that past. Well, I, I would just say that uh, when I first met you, I was frankly, st- I didn't know who you were. You called me up and we went and had a uh, breakfast or something at the Uptown, and after the meeting was over, I, I told some folks that I was working with on a show. I was like, I don't know who this guy is, but we got to keep track of him. He knows his stuff, <laughs> and uh, just I still can't get over the fact that you have such a good grasp of not only the theatrical side but the business and production mm-hmm. producing side of things. Well, you know, you no, know, I've been here for an awful long time, and and I, I may have mentioned this in our last program. The only two times that. There have been demonstrations at the HT. Once was actually a theater company that didn't think we were giving them enough credit. Um, <laughs> it's true. I can't remember the name of that group of people, but it was one of these groups that, um, frankly, and I mean no disrespect to them, but they just sort of was, were a startup. Mm-hmm. They didn't. They didn't last very long. Mm-hmm. But you know, they wanted the newspaper coverage to help launch them because I don't think they had a business model other than that. Is the the any you know any Mike business... you weren't there for that were you you weren't I'm, protesting no the paper. Oh, okay no. good <laughs> we have pictures of Mike yeah. with Molotov cocktails uh, you know it's, it, any startup business nonprofit or, or otherwise is is just a remarkably difficult thing and and I still consider us a startup because I work and my staff works about eighty hours a week and I think sometimes when you're in 
uh, that kind of situation as a theater company or other arts organization or even a business, it's easy to sort of see yourself as kind of not being appreciated, you know, for all that you do and all that you give. And um, I understand that feeling a great deal. And, and at times, of course, we at Cardell have never sat around and said, why isn't the Herald Times giving us more coverage? We've never done that. No. Uh, you know, uh, actually, this year, the Herald Times is, is one of our, our season sponsors. And so we're enormously uh, grateful for that. But, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just really hard to the, – the, the scale of putting up theater – it's it's a really strange yeah. thing. It's it's hard to imagine how much goes into it from from the marketing, the development, the fundraising, and then the production side, and coordinating schedules and court and the money. And it's just it's just a lot of work. And it's it's hard unless you're inside it to know how much is required of of the folks who are doing it. Mm-hmm. Well, Mike, I want to go back to that uh, first meeting that you had with Randy because you you've been what what theater companies had you been involved with here before? Um. I mean, I've worked with, you know, the, the Bloomington Playwrights Project sure. before. I was part of Detour uh, Company. Um, I worked with the Indiana Shakespeare Company when we were in town. Um, some different groups I've tried to be involved in uh, along. So what was uh, what was your reaction? I mean, you, you mentioned it a little bit, but, but, you know, here's this guy coming in saying, I think we can do a regional professional stage company in Bloomington. Was your reaction, you know, Absolutely, I'm I'm on board. Or were you thinking, I'm not sure if this is going to work? I mean, can you sort of go back to that day? Yeah, you know, I, I'd been in several companies in the past that were trying to achieve, a, you know, a larger status than what they started out as. I mean, I, I'm not sure that anyone was specifically looking at a regional, but you know, companies want to eventually become a professional company, this or that. And uh, and worked with a lot of great people in those efforts, but when I met with Randy, I was I was sort of floored and shocked by his his understanding and plans on the business side of things. Um, that's not to say that uh, that people don't pay attention to that, but he had such a, seemingly a breadth of experience, and I, I I couldn't be sure he was telling me the truth. <laughs> but, but you know, but my sense of it was the way he spoke about different things and his mm-hmm. plans and how he saw it. Was so comprehensive, I could hardly understand where he'd gotten the experience to to understand that in that way. Mm-hmm. And so, I was sort of amazed by him, and I thought, "Well, we got to find out more about him." He he had actually come to talk to me about a, a, the first show that they were doing. I was already in a production and couldn't be a part of it. I tried but, hard though, but I, <laughs> and, I, and I you know I, I told some friends I said, "Get in that show somehow. Find out what this guy really is about." Because really, it was it was yeah. amazing. It was impressive. One of the things that's interesting is that <clears throat> you know the, the word professional gets bandied around a lot, and mm-hmm. and I remember when I first started out, some people felt um, that the word professional that I was using was somehow a challenge to what they were doing right. or stuff like that. And I have always only meant one very simple thing by it, which is that everybody gets paid, mm-hmm. um, that that a professional organization is one in which you are not volunteering your time, uh, but one in which remuneration is, is passing right. back and forth. And part of our journey at Cardinal has been towards uh, uh, and we're a long way from it. We are no, we are nowhere close. I, I, it's very generous when people call us a professional theater company or professional regional theater company. I don't, say that. I say we are, our mission is to become a professional regional theater. And I, I would say we're, we're a solid five to seven to eight years away from being in a place where all of the people who work with us, whether staff, uh, whether it's actors, uh, tech people, are all being remunerated at a level commensurate with what you would be making in the in the rest of the professional theater world. Mm-hmm. So that's simply what I mean by it. It's not a denotation right. of quality uh, of work in any kind of way. Because I think in my life, I've seen some really great work happen, for, happen from people who aren't getting paid, and many times I haven't been paid for my work. And so, uh, so that, that's what I mean by that. Yeah, and I'm glad you clarified that. But, I mean, that does require a different level of sort of uh, business plan because a lot, a lot of people who have been very successful, um, you know, I think Bloomington Playwrights Project, a lot mm-hmm. of other organizations in Bloomington have been very successful um, as a, I guess, what would you call it, a volunteer, organ- mainly volunteer organization. People don't expect to get paid. They volunteer, they do great work, and then they go on. But if you're trying to be a professional in, in the way you've defined professional sense, where people are actually being paid for all that time that they're spending, it's a whole different animal. 
And and one of the things, uh, you know, talking, Mike was saying that the, um, you know, the experience, I, I'd had one really important experience in my life when I was in Vancouver, I'm a Canadian, and, and I was a, an associate artistic director brought into a company that had fallen apart. And they had a new artistic director who called me and said, you want to come out and help me out? And we spent about four or five months re reestablishing and putting together a company. And this person is probably the smartest human being I've ever encountered uh, in this business. And um, we looked at what a board does and what mission is and how the money that you spend. So often with a theater company, their mission is here. And then you look at their books and they're spending money on this, that, and the other, which actually tells you what they care about, not what they say they care about. Mm. And so for me, part of my experience has been just what a board does for a theater company, how you allocate your funds tells you what you care about. These are all things that eventually come together to make a business plan and get the support, the foundational support that will allow you to to accomplish what you need to accomplish. Because all I I feel like I've been is, is just basically an assembler of good people. That's really all I've done is, is put together an amazing board of directors who have given so much time and energy, a staff. Absolutely. You know, we have we have. I, I'm thrilled to say, you know, two years ago we had no full time staff, and we are about to hire our fifth full time staff member. Mm-hmm. And those have all been people who give at a level of commitment that I might tip the hat because seriously, you have to be insane to work in this business. <laughs> and and that's what I do is I just bring together insane people yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and hopefully make it happen. Yeah. All right. Well, our phone number is 855 811 And our web address, org slash edition. Uh, our guests today are Randy White and Mike Price from the Cardinal Stage Company. Mary Catherine. I've been unusually quiet. You have been I? unusually quiet. <laughs> what's, uh, what's the story as far as... Um, uh, working with unions, I know there's the like actors guilds, and and how does that affect what you do, and or and limit you, or is that a goal for you, is to have all your people uh, affiliated with the appropriate union in the industry? Tell me a little bit about that. There, there are the artistic unions, and then there's the technical union. We we actually don't deal much with the technical union. At some point, my goal would be to bring in the union. We do hire in when we're at the Buzzkirk. We we pay a technical person full-time when we're there, and we also do job-in people on the technical side. Our main connection with unions is with, uh, and the main union is what's called Actors' Equity. Mm. And Actors' Equity is an organization with considerable strength. Uh, It actually is a very strong union, and they've done an amazing job of protecting actors' rights and of making sure that actors are compensated properly and are protected from all kinds of things. Because, you know, in theater, it's really easy to get carried away in the moment and have an actor go crashing through something. And Spider-Man in New York is a perfect example, right, where equity has shut it down. They've actually shut down a $60 million production while, for eight weeks while they bring in safety, uh-huh. labor standards people to make sure because two people have broken legs and ankles oh my, and all that kind yeah. of stuff. So part of what we're trying to do with equity is to slowly build ourselves into an equity company. That's, what, that's how you say it in the business, an equity company. Mm-hmm. And what that means is for right now, we, we use union actors. There's only about two or three in Bloomington. There's a bunch in Indianapolis, and then we also go to Chicago, New York, those sort of things. Those actors come in on what's called a guest artist contract. So we're able to bring in and use their talents, and they get paid, and we work equity hours, and there's all kinds of rules that you have to follow. <laughs> um, and I, I believe in those rules. I, I believe that actors should be protected. They should have all – and they should be compensated for their work. Um, equity has contacted us about going equity is the phrase. Going equity, meaning, mm-hmm. that, meaning that your company has a contract with equity. You have to use a certain percentage of equity actors. And what we're saying right now is don't you, – you can't make us go equity yet because we can't do what we do if you make us go equity. For example, we could never do Christmas Carol, which is coming up, or Grapes of Wrath, which we just did with a large cast. We'd end up doing two- and three-person yeah. shows. Yeah, the cost would be mm-hmm. The cost would be enormous. Mm-hmm. It would just be astronomical. I would think it would be in, in equity's long-term best interest, though, to cultivate a company such as yours with the, the hope that then in the future, for a long time, you'll be paying – Union dues and and a part of that organization. I'm a member of the directors' union. I, mm-hmm. I believe in unions. However, unions don't always act in the interests of the individual situation. They have a larger uh-huh. mission. <laughs> uh, they do, and 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 so you can argue till you're blue in the face, and they will listen to a certain extent. 
and and try to protect your interests. But really, what they care about is the long term interest of their actors, and so they will do what they think is right. And they're going to be on that side of the negotiating table, and I'm going to be on this side of the negotiating table, and we'll work it out. They're great to work with, but definitely they want us to go equity. And we keep saying there are three or four equity actors in Bloomington, so not only do we have to pay. And just to give you a sense of it, it's you know five or six thousand dollars for an equity actor to be in a show. We also then have to transport them. We have to house them. We have to give them an extra per diem. There's a there's an enormous amount of cost mm-hmm. to a visiting equity actor that's beyond just a normal equity actor. Mm-hmm. So that's part of the argument that we're making is that it, it would just be an enormous burden. That said, that's our goal. When I talk about going mm-hmm. to a fully professional model, that's what I'm talking about is eventually being in a place where we are using equity actors as well as local actors, which we will always fight for, always Mm -hmm. fight for. I believe that if Cardinal does not use local actors from the university, from the the pool of folks that we've been drawing from, we won't have a community support. I believe in it strongly. Okay. Well, I think our audience is... uh wants to hear get into the meat of the matter, and we've had a question come in. They want to know about the holiday shows. What's coming up? (laughs) Well, um, one of the things that I think... By accident, we fell into this. I, I take no – I make no claim to, to, to having a brilliant idea in any kind of way. When we first started, after we finished Our Town, Di, uh, uh, I got a call from Danielle McClelland uh, who runs the Buzzkirk Chumley and she said, um, WTTS has contacted us and they want to do a Christmas show next year. And this was like in January, February, just after we'd done Our Town. Would you be interested in that? And I thought, well, that seems like a good idea. <laughs> Why don't we do a Christmas show and we'll, they'll, they'll sponsor it and, and be involved and be able to bring their staff and all of this. And we did A Year with Frog and Toad. And, it, and I had seen the show. Wonderful, I knew charming, show. Oh, charming, charming production. Loved like you were it. Amazing. Um, very kind of you. Nobody plays <laughs> a, a small furry animal better than. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really, the part was written for him. I thought. As I, He's well, that wonderful. Was his, <laughs> his his frog was it's a great delightful. show. It's a great, great show, show. And, and it managed to be one of the few shows that I've ever come across that worked equally well for a four-year-old and for a forty-year-old. I mean, I remember watching kids falling out of their seats laughing, and I hope he doesn't mind me saying this. David Higgins who's the set designer from the opera, falling out of his seat laughing at the same joke, mm. you know. Uh, so that started the holiday season Now that's a good show. gag. <laughs> it, it, I, yeah. It was, it, yeah. I remember what it was, too. It was Mike, something Mike was doing. Um, and, uh, and, and so that started the holiday show, and it was so remarkably successful that I said, I think this should become part of what we do. And so we came back the next year with Oliver and then Treasure Island and last year's Sound of Music. So... Along the way, many people have asked me, you know, what, what's your um, timeline for doing Christmas Carol? <laughs> when are you going to do a Christmas Carol? And I've always said I, I wasn't interested in, in uh, doing Christmas I've been Carol. I've to do it too. Have you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because I love the story and I've never run across an adaptation that really thrilled me. I, I always thought that there were sacrifices made to, get, um, to make it stage worthy. And, and then I, I ran across this script uh, from a woman out of the UK named Karen Louise Hebden who had adapted it. And I loved the theatrical style and I loved the fact that it got most of the Dickens in and it managed to be light, had a lot of carols, so there's a lot of singing. Um, it feels like a musical. It's a play with music. It feels like a musical. And yet it really has the texture and the depth that I associate with the story when I read it. So that's, that's how we ended up doing Christmas Carol this year. And it oh. looks like it's set in the, in the period. Oh, yeah. 1843. Okay. So how large is the cast for A Christmas Carol? It's actually pretty small. I mean, Christmas Carols run, you know, 20, 30 people. Our version has eight adults and six children. Uh-huh. Oh, actually, ten. We've added two uh, adults to do some extra stuff in the background. And, and you know, when you talk about um, the different actors and, and how you want to have local actors, I assume you pretty much have to get children who are local. To do Ab- this. Absolutely, and I know you've had some great success with that. So, how do you how do you find the kids? I mean, do you just do you do a, a call out or? The, uh, yeah, casting the kids is is all of casting is is an enormous task. Oh my gosh! It is. A, there's a reason theater companies have casting directors and teams. It's just it's a lot of work, but with children especially. So we for Christmas Carol, we probably saw I would say about thirty or forty hours of auditions, where we just sat in a room and watched kids come in and. Um, and all of them, it's amazing, the, the, the experience of watching a kid come in who, you know, who, who for the first time, a lot of times it's the first time coming into a room in front of somebody where they have to do something and watching them sort of grow or shrink mm-hmm. uh, and parents, you know, looking through the door, it's through great, the crack yeah. in the door, going, it's okay, yeah. it's okay. 
Um, I mean, it's a really wonderful thing um, to see these kids sort of stepping out and, yeah, and trying to accomplish something as, as they're sort of like, for many of them, it feels like their first sort of grown up thing that they're doing by themselves in a room. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, uh, there are so many organizations in town, whether it's Stages um, or the BPP program or the IU Choir, that we couldn't do anything that we do. Yeah, there's a lot of wonderful children's in, opportunities in, in this, this town, this town. Mm-hmm. that Absolutely. these kids come in with this experience. Because I'll tell you, kind a kid, of theater programs for you, really. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't think it, it's. I think we're more like co- jointly doing stuff together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? Absolutely. Uh, and and. The, the, the amount the musical of musical training that kids have in the this musical town. training Wonderful. that kids have in this town is is amazing and and certainly something when my wife and I have talked about coming to Bloomington, we said you know what what's here for kids and you're like, what isn't here for kids? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just a remarkable place for you to, to yeah. bring up your children. Yeah. So we couldn't do Sound of Music mm-hmm. unless these kids were in the choirs, unless these kids were were doing the stages right. program, that sort of thing. Mike, when did you first start acting? Were you a kid, or did you wait till you were an adult? Uh, or was, are you still a kid? I was. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I was in uh, high school, and uh, uh, you know this is. I never thought about this. My first role actually was playing Ebenezer Scrooge in high school. And oh, wow. he comes full Isn't circle. Isn't that strange? Uh-huh. Well, I don't play it here, but you know. Do you have a role in this in this production? Yeah, yeah. I'll be playing Bob Cratchit. Bob Cratchit oh. and some other sundry items. Oh. Um, yeah, that's that's when I started. Some actually, I was in a choir at the time, and someone wanted me to audition and, and be in the show, and then wow. started to love it. I I didn't end up studying theater. Uh, I went on to political science and then uh, instructional systems technology. There's some theater with that, too. and here I am. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I, you know, I know this is not a loving, but I, I really do want to say that in in my entire history of doing theater across across this country and and uh, in Canada. I have yet to run across an actor who is as versatile oh. and who has focused and who is – he's really – I would walk the ends of the earth for this man as an actor. I think he's fantastic. Well, and you know, Mike, you and I go back a long way. And I remember many, many years ago asking you, you know, saying you're so talented, you can do anything. Why are you in Bloomington? <laughs> well, I mean, really, because your, your opportunities, certainly back at the time when we were having that discussion, especially the Waldron was young and productions were limited and funds were more limited. Right, right. And, and so you gave me a, an answer that is always stuck in my mind. Do you remember what you said to me? Uh, no, I want to hear. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I could guess because I, I still – I can remember my thoughts on, you know, the idea of following a, a – a professional career or something like that. I just like being part of a community. And, and at the time, the a career of traveling around and, and pursuing that just wasn't as interesting as, as being in a community and working with different people and, and enjoying that aspect. Is yeah. that what I said? Yeah, you did. And you also said that in, <laughs> in this kind of a, a setting, you actually had more opportunities to grow as an actor than you would uh, in in the, in a Los Angeles type of setting, for example, which shows probably how little I know. But uh, <laughs> you know, at the time, I was content to be able to do different kinds of projects, and this sort of just wandered into Bloomington for me, I guess. All right. We're, well, we're talking with uh, Mike Price and Randy White from the Cardinal Stage Company. We just talked about a Christmas Carol, which is going to be coming up on December seventeenth through December twenty sixth. Um, is that going to be? That'll be at the Buskirk Chumley. That'll be at the Buskirk right. Chumley. And after we uh, take a break, we're going to talk about the Santa Land Diaries and about a whole bunch of other stuff that has to do with Cardinal Stage and and, and keeping a uh, a budding professional um, stage company going here in Bloomington. You're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville. Information at smithville.net. You can take WFIU programs with you by downloading our podcast directly to your computer, iPod, or portable player. Programs like Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia, or short features like Kinsey Confidential, The Ether Game, Musical Mini Quiz, as well as Play and Opera Reviews are all available on demand. Find out more at WFIU.org. And have you heard WFIU's news features? On Fridays, the WFIU News Team brings you expanded and in-depth reports on topics affecting South Central Indiana. Listen at 11.33 a.m., 11.55 a.m., and 5.45 p.m. to catch that day's feature. They're also archived on our website, WFIU.org. (laughs) 
Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. And our guests today, Randy White, the artistic director of Cardinal Stage Company, and Mike Price, the uh, associate artistic director. Are we calling him that? Yeah. Sure. And That's produ- his official title. And yeah. production director and uh, also a, an actor who you've seen, I'm sure you've seen in many different things. If you have questions or comments, please phone us at 855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. Our website is wfiu.org slash noon edition. You can go there to uh, send in a question or just have a conversation about what we're talking about today. All right, I want to talk about uh, the Santa Land Diary. I'm kind of is... uh, yeah, I'm jealous. We're sharing with Indianapolis now, huh? Okay. <laughs> well, this is your second year for doing this, correct? We did it two years ago. Yeah, two mm-hmm. years ago. Oh, it wow. is funny, funny stuff. I was there. It was very funny. Is it the same actor who will be? No, it's actually a different actor. We're bringing in a different actor because um, what the reason I decided to do this, when we did it the first time, uh, it was remarkably successful for us. I mean, it was one yeah. of our, our most successful shows uh, at the Waldron. And uh, we, had did, uh, we had done Little Shop of Horrors uh, last spring. Mm-hmm. And the fellow we brought in from Indianapolis was a gentleman named Scott Greenwell. And he was wonderful as yeah. Seymour. And uh, as we were working, I was thinking... I would like to find something for him to do. And then it sort of coalesced with this uh, this larger idea that I've had that – and I've said this from the beginning, that part of what, I, what I'm interested in with Cardinal is not just bringing into Bloomington but actually taking Bloomington mm-hmm. out. And so I was th- I've been thinking for a while, how, how do we get the, the word out to the communities around Bloomington? And we've been working on various marketing schemes. And I was thinking, well, what if we were able to do a show that we could you know, take to Indianapolis and show them rather than just try to market to them but actually show them what we do here in mm-hmm. Bloomington? And, and hopefully some of the, the um, ancillary benefits to that are having people coming down here for shopping and restaurants and hotels. And so, so I'm really interested in this idea of turning Bloomington and, and specifically what Cardinal can do uh, to make it sort of an arts destination community. And I, and I think that Bloomington has the reputation. It has the, the, uh, the, the um, persona in the state of being the place to go for art. And I know this is a lot of what's going on in the Arts Alliance right now with Alan Barker and folks who are working on all this stuff across, across the city. And how can we market what's here? Mm-hmm. And so this is part of that effort. And I thought, Scott... Santa Land Diaries is just a match. It's just a perfect match. And I was astounded to find out it's only been done once about 10 years ago in Indianapolis. Wow. And once so I had those pieces. So he has his own following in Indianapolis? Yeah, yes. he's, he's a very popular actor in Indianapolis. Okay. And, and so we, we um, he's also uh, connected to the, the larger L- uh, LBGT community mm-hmm. in Indianapolis, which is you know, part of the, where Sedaris comes from. And so all of this came together, and, and uh, we thought this is a perfect opportunity for us to, to get it out there and, and do it. And, and But I thought if we're going to do it, we at least want to do it a week here in Bloomington because it warms it up, uh, gets it ready for Indianapolis, but also um, people here are such big Sedaris fans. He's, you know, yeah. what, he sells out in, you know, oh, the, yeah. the entire mm-hmm. auditorium. So, mm-hmm. so right. I'm very excited about it. But, I, you know, one of the things that I, I always want to say is we do a lot of shows for families, a lot of shows for kids, and occasionally we will step out and do something that's got uh, a little bit more uh, content for mature audiences type stuff. Oh, it's so, delightfully naughty. It's delightfully naughty. <laughs> I had someone call me the other day, and she was like, so exactly how many swear words are in it? Can you give me the exact words? Do you know now? Uh, I do. Okay. I do, I think, uh, but I can't say it on the air. I think uh, the F-bomb counts as two, don't you? I think, uh, yeah, so then there's there's really only four in the show. You can't say that on radio. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it really is. I mean, it's it's more it's more an, an, a, a sort of attitude and approach in yeah. this show. Mm-hmm. In this show. Now, a show we're doing later in the season, Lonesome West, the Martin McDonough one, that one you really don't want to bring the kids. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you know, of course, we're we're here on uh, National Public Radio, and and every just seems like every year on Morning Edition, David Sedaris does a reading from the Santa Land Diaries. I believe that's it's either on on just on Morning Edition or on This American Life, where that really sort of took off when yeah, Sedaris did a reading. So yeah, it actually started on public radio. That that sort of made him. Uh, mm-hmm. That and this story is is the one that 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 did it. So. Yes. Right, the elf story. The elf well, story. Right? Well, I was interested to see that um, uh, you're starting a, a Halloween tradition as well. Let's talk about that a little bit. We just did. Uh, we, it was our sixth showing of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, in which we do a little bit of a floor show, and it's it's a fundraiser for us actually. And I can say 
in the six years that I've done it, this year was probably the most successful. It was, yeah, it was an incredibly rocking time. <laughs> the midnight show is something that you want to experience at least once in your life uh, because people go nuts. The Buskirk just it's, – it's on fire um, for probably the worst movie ever put on celluloid. Oh, uh, it's a terrible movie <laughs> and I love it. I, I am a cult fan. I, no. I, I've seen it 50 times now. But uh, – yeah, people really go nuts, and, and we use that uh, to fund the education programs that we do, and um, we're, we're very excited. I, I'll, I'll sort of say, toot our own horn a little bit, in, in saying that the uh, Chamber of Commerce, uh, the Franklin Initiative, has just awarded us the, um, the, uh, our organization for outstanding achievement in educational outreach, and all of this is funded through people who fund our Community Access Ticket Initiative and things like the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. So we're very, very oh, yeah, pleased. Yeah, so you received that award. Very, very nice. Our phone numbers again. Let me, uh, let me give them again because I think you guys uh, out there in the listening audience, you guys in the listening audience, that's, that's NPR right there. That's very <laughs> professional radio. Um, 855-0811, wfiuorg slash noon edition. You know, the thing I have to say is that Mary Catherine and I, we've always said we are not professionals. We are nope. just here. We're volunteers. So you, you had us fooled. Right, right. <laughs> so uh, please call us if you want to talk to uh, Randy White and Mike Price about anything about Cardinal Stage. And actually, I want to go back before we get too far. I want, we want to talk about the education program a little bit more. But I want to go back and ask Mike because uh, the amazing thing, you know, when I saw the Santa Land Diaries, and you know, I, I've probably seen other things that are a, a one-person show, and it just it blows me away. And I want to ask Mike, have you ever done a one-man show and would you ever want to if you haven't have i you know that's it's funny i actually generally am not uh, attracted to one person shows i really love shows that uh involve interaction with different people nothing there's nothing wrong with one person shows obviously but for me it didn't have the same appeal Mm -hmm. it just didn't aren't you in waiting and for uh waiting for godot well that was more than one person though right but not many well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but you had somebody to play I've been off in some, of. Yeah. You know, two person shows. Yeah. And yeah. But you have somebody, to, like somebody to play off of. And Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe I would love it. I've just, I've never done one and never been that interested. How much is, I mean, in, in a one person show like that, is it, I mean, it's totally scripted, obviously, but how much leeway does the actor have? Any to go off script? and Every, every one person show works on its own conceit, yeah. and they're all different. Yeah. Um, what I find difficult when I go to the theater and see a one-person show is when it's one person, uh, unless it's extraordinarily well done, it's one person sort of telling their life story. That 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 thing for me is is usually less. Now I've seen a couple that have been wonderful, but it takes a performer that can really raise it. Right. What what I tend to like in, in a in a smaller cast show, whether it's one or two, is is you know where there's a real play going on. And I and I think the thing with Sandland Diaries that makes it work is that the relationship that the elf has. Starts out as a kind of it's interesting because Sedaris, of course, when he does it, just reads it, mm-hmm. and it becomes just a sort of uh, a written essay, well read, as Dickens would have read a Christmas Carol on his tours. And what happens in a play is it starts out as him sort of telling his story as a kind of recital and it develops slowly and suddenly you find yourself with lights everywhere that you didn't see and, and this thing sort of comes out and surrounds you and he has this relationship with you and you become the second actor out in the audience that he's mm-hmm. telling his story to and responding off what you're responding. And that's the key, I think, to making a, a one-person play work is that the, the person needs to be living and breathing with what he's getting back, he or she is getting back from the audience. Yeah. And then it becomes a dynamic and that's what makes it work. And also in this particular play, he's there are other characters you just don't see them. He, I mean, he's interacting mm-hmm. with. Yeah, he's with interacting. a great show. Yeah. And he's he's. It's, what's interesting too when you work on it is he, sometimes he becomes the character, <laughs> and sometimes he does the voice of the character as himself in quotes, and and so it's really complicated. Yeah. And all together, it sort of adds up to something thicker than I think most one person shows are. Yeah. yeah. All right, we have a phone call. Let's go to June on the phone. June. Hi, I want to uh, congratulate Randy that he's willing to take risks. I just saw a souvenir and thought it was absolutely fabulous and wondered how many other people would would be willing to take a chance on a play like that. But it was just so well done, and uh, I laughed through the whole thing. (laughs) All right. Thank Thank you. Randy, you want to react to that? Well, I think that, 
you know, one of the things that's challenging when programming, and, and I think that all the companies in town experience this, whether it's the BBP or Cardinal or, or uh, all the folks who come along, is, is that there's such a widely divergent demographic <laughs> in this town. And what we try to think about when we're doing it is not just, you know, who's, who wants to see the big musicals, but there are some really... Uh, what I would call hardcore theater goers mm-hmm. in Bloomington. And, and we want to make sure that we're giving them something they haven't seen before. And also from our own point of view, you know, yeah. we, we want to yeah. be doing some stuff. We spend a serious amount of time deciding shows, reading innumerable numbers of plays that somehow he coughs up from his library. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, so it's, it's, uh, it's a remarkably difficult process. And, and, but I think if we weren't doing more uh, unknown shows, we, we just wouldn't be having fun, and I don't think our audience would be having fun. So it's it's part and parcel of what we plan to do going forward. We had a caller that didn't want to go on the air but asked about whether there could be any relationship between the closed Brown County Theater and Cardinal. Mm. It's amazing how often I've been asked really? that. Mm. Um, I, I don't know the answer. We haven't looked into it. Uh, we have recently purchased our own building here, here in Bloomington that we're looking at for f- – all of our needs except performance for the next year. We're going to be staying with the Buskirk and the Waldron, and then we're looking at options in the future. I, I'm not – you know, the Brown County community, I've directed out there and, and uh, have gone to see so many shows out of Brown County, and I think it's a wonderful space and a wonderful community. I feel, for better or worse, and uh, my community is Bloomington. I, I just feel like it's where, where we live. It's, it's where my home is and where I want to do my shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's sort of how I feel. And I would say that there isn't any reason that we could not be part of something or perhaps send a show there Absolutely. on a regular basis, anything like that. Absolutely. There's no reason we couldn't potentially include, depending on what the setup is. Mm-hmm. Part and parcel of what I've been talking about, about getting out of Bloomington and getting the surrounding communities interested in what we're doing, is could, could include us going out to Brown County at some point. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned the Waldron. Um, everybody knows that it's now the Ivy Tech John Walden Arts Center. How has that had an effect on, on what you do? there it's uh it it, it was a heck of a year here in bloomington i think as we all know uh you know going through the process of of what's going to happen to the waldron and and such an important institution and such important asset for the arts community i i think that what i can say right now is we're having a great relationship with ivy tech in terms of how they're dealing with us and responding to us and i love the fact that the place is getting painted and new seats are coming yeah everybody new seats are coming i can't tell you how often people say to us we would go to your show at the waldron but i can't sit in those seats Mm -hmm. and so we're very excited that they're doing that it's been a great relationship I, i will say that only time will tell uh you know in terms of um what the what that that particular uh building will become as the the actors who are you know sort of the the immediate present uh, sort of pass uh, and go go elsewhere and new people take over it's going to be an institutional question mm-hmm. um, the, the you know the, the the city made its decision I think you could raise some questions about the decisions that were made I, I don't know where it's going to go uh, for us right now it's working and I hope and yeah. and, and uh, we're very pleased with the relationship that we have mm-hmm all right, our phone number is 855-0811 in Bloomington, one 285 9348 from outside of the Bloomington area. That's for all of you who want to call and ask Randy to bring a show to your city. And our website, wfiu.org slash noon edition. Two things that we need to talk about. Uh, we've got 15 minutes to go in the program, and I've got a whole bunch of things I want to talk about. But two, we have to educate the education program mm-hmm. and also your new building. I want to talk yeah. more about that. So let's talk about education first. Um, you've, you've made that. Uh, sort of a key plank, um, you know, in your in your agenda uh, since pretty much since you've been here. Absolutely. Um, how has it grown? How's this idea of getting uh, what you do into the schools and getting kids from the schools into your shows? How's that grown over the years? Well, I think that first off, I think we've only taken the baby steps to what I'd really like to uh, accomplish on the education front. But uh, the primary things that we've done are. Um, We've started a program called the Community Access Ticket Initiative, and that grew out of a chance meeting that I had with a young kid uh, at a uh, Goodwill when we were shopping for costumes, and he came up to us and asked us what we were doing out of the blue, and we tried to explain to him we were doing a show, and he had just no concept of what we were talking about. He was about 12 years old, and just it wasn't theater, play, just didn't make any sense to him, and so... Uh, we offered him some tickets, his, his mom and, and stuff, and, and uh, I came back to the to the theater, and I remember saying, we have to do something. There's just people who don't have the financial or cultural 
uh, ability, awareness to, to get to see theater. And so we created this program. And the first year we gave away, you know, I think it was like 250 tickets to uh, underserved populations. And last year was 1,000. Mm-hmm. And this year we will be giving away 1,500 tickets to um, either through social service organizations, MCCSC, and also uh, Area 10 on Aging. We're starting to work into seniors as well. Mm-hmm. So I think the first and foremost is just getting people into see theater. And then we've been very fortunate to make a relationship, a very uh, to forge a, a strong relationship with uh, the Themester program on campus. And that has allowed us access to um, some funding and also to the IU faculty and the resources at IU. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've been able to use that to get kids in, to create workshops for teachers, to be able to give them um, resource packages that can go back to the classroom on projects like Anne Frank and Inherit the Wind and, and Grapes of Wrath, those sort of great uh, mm-hmm. curriculum, you know, foundational curriculum mm-hmm. um, uh, books and, and plays. And so we're, we're thrilled to be involved in all that. We, we had been involved in a, uh, a large readathon, which we sort of let go as we felt was, wasn't close enough to mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now what I'm starting to uh, work towards is is also looking at uh, with the Romeo and Juliet project that we have coming up and bringing students in for Shakespeare is how we can start to think about bringing Shakespeare out to the classrooms and but as we all know times are there's not a lot of money out there in the education community and and so we're looking at different ways of funding and being able to bring shows to students. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to ask you know you you described how your your ticket uh, your generosity with ticket giveaways has grown. Have your ticket sales grown at a similar level over over the five well, years? First off, I would say that the generosity is actually from the donors, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it's the people. It's the people absolutely. who give, whether it's you know our donors like First Financial Bank or mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's the idea has caught on and people will call us and it, it is not infrequent that someone will come out of a show like Grapes of Wrath and call us the next day and say, "Could I fund?" 50 students to come yep. see this. I think it's really important. Mm-hmm. And so that's been enormously successful. Um, yeah, I mean, we've been very fortunate on, the, on the, the ticket sale front. Just to give you a sense of numbers, we started, I think, three years ago, we had about 46, 4,700 people come to our shows. Uh, last year, we had um, about 13,000. Oh and this gosh. year, we expect we'll top 17,000 people coming coming to our shows. Mm-hmm. So that's a pretty significant that's phenomenal sort of, growth. Signa- yeah, and with that comes a, a lot of wonderful things and comes a lot of problems. Uh, good problems, as someone once said, a high class problem to have, mm-hmm. but servicing all of those folks yeah. takes a managing toll. All the managing all the yeah. processes of it is it's 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 difficult. But I'm not complaining. I'm very excited about it. But uh, certainly, um, our staff uh, and and our our um, our company uh, works hard to keep up with it. Mm-hmm. So ticket sales are good. They're growing. Um, what about fundraising? How much of your time do you have to spend in that? Seemingly never-ending uh, <laughs> venture for every and dime profit in the world. <laughs> what I've what I've discovered, and I, I sort of knew this, or sort of instinctively felt this would happen, and it has proven to be quite true. And we laid out our strategic plan for the first three three years, and then the next three years is that with every dollar that comes in and earned income, somehow a fundraising dollar follows it. So we've been very fortunate in that. Um, We've we've had a, a couple of core donors who started us off, and then some people who followed, and then we were able to hire a development director, Hillary Person, who's uh, done a wonderful job of uh, being able to solidify what we have and starting to reach out on the individual level and starting and the and the corporate level and starting to get more systematic about how we approach it. And what I've always said is, I think that we are sort of reaching into new territory here in a kind of systemic business-like approach to fundraising. Um, mm-hmm. And and I think that we're, we're starting to see the, the rewards of that. Mm-hmm. But it definitely comes, people will not give you money if you're not being successful on the earned income front. And oh, it's, sure. been, it's been about a 50-50 match from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Right. What about, oh, oh I was just going to ask, I, I know that in, in this town especially, I think that success for um, an organization such as yours is so often tied to the partnerships that you have. Um, nobody can make it alone uh, around here. We all need each other. So would you tell me a little bit about the, some of the partnerships you're engaged in right now? Yeah, I think that from the beginning, we've, we've been so fortunate to have places like Wonder Lab, uh, the library, the the local library, the yeah. I and the IU. I, I can't even say we would not be here without IU. We'd not be here without the theater and drama department, and we would not be here without the opera program. I mean, we just draw so heavily on those folks, and then business in, partners. In what way? Um, 
resources, you know, the ability to rent a chair for $20 as opposed to buy a $400 chair, uh. the ability to rent lights. Um, yeah, it, that, it really assists us technically. Technically. Because of what we try and achieve in our productions require mm-hmm. folks that have a certain level of training and background. And, and inevitably, just due to the environment, we can really draw on some excellent folks uh, you know, Mike Schwant, Patrick Merrow, folks that have Mark ever Smith, currently designers, worked. folks like that. Just wonderful people. And then in the community, you know, just uh, the businesses that partner with us, mm-hmm. um, being able to partner with the Buzzkirk, which has been a, you know, a really important relationship to us. Um, so it, it bead, you know, mm-hmm. there, there's just a, a, a just a, a, a spoking off in all directions. And it, we again, we wouldn't exist without all of those folks. We want to talk about the new building. You just yes. just purchased the building. It's the uh, old um, billboard company. Hoosier now. Outdoor. Hoosier Outdoor. Yeah, I lost the name for a second. What's the On location? South, South Walnut Street, mm-hmm. right? 900 South Walnut. It's one of those spaces. Uh, you've driven by it a thousand <laughs> times, and I swear nobody's seen it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's yeah. it's where uh, – just below First Street where college curves back in and becomes Dodds and then joins mm-hmm. Walnut and where Walnut is two-way. It was originally the Bloomington Limestone building and. I walked into it. We had we had been looking at buying real estate. Theater is a space hog. I mean, it's just an enormous space hog. We have rehearsals, construction, storage. You know, painting. if we do painting, uh, it's just at offices. Um, so uh, we've been looking at space, and I walked into that space, and it was like 30 seconds, and I was like, this is it. This mm-hmm. is the space that I, I really think uh, can work for us for what I call four-fifths of our needs and then has the potential if we're – able to successfully uh, raise some funds for it to become part of our performance solution in the future as well. But it's an old 1928 building, limestone. The people who've been in have been doing some work on it are like they've never seen a building built like this. The entire foundation is because the Bloomington Limestone Company. So it was built like a tank yeah. uh, and it's in great shape. It has all its original detail. It's, it's just a wonderful yeah, building. It really is. We, we couldn't be happier. And it only happened because, and this is what makes, I think, Bloomington special, because there were some people who were able to step up and make some donations. There were people who were able to step up and give us in, no, no interest, uh, no payment loans for years. And we've got this, you know, this LLC that we've put together that gives us some time to be able to help pay it back. It, it's just an amazing town. And we didn't go out and solicit this. These people, when they heard we were looking, came to us. And that is, um, I, I just, I, I can't imagine another town that would do that sort of thing. So we're enormously grateful for the folks who've made this happen. And we are so happy and pleased to be there. Yeah, I was mopping it this morning. He's <laughs> <laughs> a man of many uh, talents. Um, you know, when you talk about it being uh, four-fifths of your needs, you, you will still be doing performances at other venues. But as far as for rehearsal space, will you be able to to rehearse in that building? Yeah, it's got a it's got a space that yeah. is uh, big enough for us to rehearse in, and and uh, it's actually as big as the stage of the Buzzkirk. Oh. It's really the oh. clinching point yeah. for us. Right. Yeah. Okay. So so we're very excited about it. It's it's amazing to to have the stage manager knock on my door at you know two fifty nine and say rehearsal starting, and I get up and walk across the hallway, and I'm in my rehearsal hall. There you go. That's got to feel great. With really. parking that we don't have to oh, go out and Not yeah. to have to move every yeah. two hours. Yeah. Yeah, it has like 20 it's parking spaces or something. Yeah, right? it's, it's a wonderful space, and it's or two 40, acres. Yeah. So it's got, a, it's got a lot of space for us to develop. With the proximity to downtown, that's just unheard of. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we're very excited. Well, yeah. I, I want to take this opportunity to ask Mike a couple questions about roles that he's played uh, oh. with Cardinal or any others, but mainly with Cardinal, I guess, since we're talking about Cardinal sure. today. Sure. I mean, what what has been, you know, in, in the five years of Cardinal, can you sort of pick out one or two of your roles that, you, that for you were the most challenging, the most memorable, the most fun? Gosh. Um, challenging. I, they're all challenging in their own ways. And, and also because I'm, I'm often working on other aspects of the show at the same time. So it's always lively as far as that goes. Um, rewarding. You know, certainly Frog and Toad comes to mind in part simply because we, you know, the show was such a a revelation for us doing it. I mean, we really didn't. I, I didn't have a clue just how magical the just the show actually is. I mean, Randy does a wonderful job with any production, but what we, you know, the, I think the first night it was sort of awesome. You know how people were <laughs> taken by it, and and you know being in it and working on it and having to deal with all the technical. You forget what the total effect is. Mm-hmm. So that was really pleasurable being in that, strangely enough, after we became aware of, of how it worked. 
Okay. You know? Well, um, you can think about some others in a minute, but we got we have a phone call, so we're going to get to Jane uh-oh. on the phone. We want don't want to don't want to go without Jane. Jane, hi. Hi, go ahead, please. Um, I just when Randy was talking about the new building, it made me think that uh, I was in there the other day and uh, admiring it, and there was one room that was really full of just a mountain of clothes that are part of their wardrobe collection. And we were talking about the needs that uh, the the new building is going to have. And, of course, Randy knows the big, long list, but one of them that was pointed out to me by the wardrobe person who was w- going through it was, they really need a washer and dryer. <laughs> <laughs> and if there's somebody out there who's listening who has a washer and dryer, I'm sure that that w- could be put to good use. Okay, there you go. That's it's very a, excellent. It's a, as well as 20 feet of clothing rack. It's a radiothon. Oh, exactly. Know, it's a radiothon. We're All actually, right, Jane, thanks. We're actually having a, an open house on December 11th, and we're registered at, at uh, Menards. <laughs> <laughs> For everybody who's invited so they can bring toilet paper or they can bring... Um, a, power, t- a power tool or something like throwing that. Yourself yeah. okay. Throwing yourself a little shower. We're throwing ourselves a little shower. All right. In the last two minutes, Mike, and any other roles you want to talk about? Uh, gosh. I, you know, I, I've enjoyed them all. I, I, I've really enjoyed them in, in working with Cardinal just because of the care and abilities uh, that Randy has and puts into the shows. I mean, what, what makes it worthwhile is being in a show that achieves the effect it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That makes it worthwhile. It doesn't matter what size the part is or, you know, how much jumping around you do or don't do. It's did the show sort of work on a level. It's really something I've learned, one of the many things I've learned from Randy that is just so key. But I think the the range that you do must be really interesting because, you know, you're talking about Frog and Toad, but you were also in The Diary of Anne Frank. Right, right. And that's a (laughs) – it's like apples to oranges there. I mean, yeah. it's totally different. Uh, quickly, somebody wants to know, are, are there going to be any opportunities for the public to get to see the building, your new building? Uh, that's a very good question. Uh, we have a lot of work to do on it still. Mm-hmm. Um, we are, we're holding a uh, sort of invited open house in December. I suspect that what we'll probably do in the spring is is have a, a sort of more open house. And then our goal next year is to do one performance. I, it's our goal. I'm not saying we're going to do it. Our goal next year is to do one performance, sort of a, 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 a something that's not in the main stage season mm-hmm. and something so we can sort of test out the building in maybe a, a kind of late night environment or something like that and, and have people come in and see how it works as a kind of performance space in, in, uh, in, a, in a low low stakes environment. Okay. okay, we have run out of time. I want to uh, tell you though www.cardinalstage.org is the website if you want to learn more. Also, the Santa Land Diaries will be November 24th to 28th at the Waldron and a Christmas Carol December 17th to December 26th at the Buzzkirk Chumley Theater. Thanks to Mike Price and Randy White for being here. Thank you Mary Catherine for producer Dan, Dan Goldblatt and engineer Mike, Mike Pashkash. I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net.